Welcome and you are listening to a very quick soundbite from Keep the Change Times by, uh, what is this show called? I think it's called, it's called Q&A, it's on a Sunday morning uh, and I just thought I was listening to this, seeing what I could learn and seeing what our finance minister of the uh, country and government was talking about and I heard a few things at the start and I thought right I'm going to scrub this back to the start, I'm going to hit record here. I'm going to give you some comments or thoughts as we go um, and see if we can learn something from what they're talking about so that we can protect ourselves into the future. Now, I'd love to say right from the start with anything that I talk about with politics, I do not care if you who you vote for. I don't expect you to care who I vote for. Who even cares? I think every time you should be taking two ticks for yourself before you walk into any polling booth because that person in the mirror is ultimately the person that's going to be able to give you more control over your life and then the people that you can help around yourself because I find most of these people are full of shit. They probably have great intentions but uh, their delivery and execution is very, very slow so I never want to fall into the trap of just pegging my life's hopes, dreams and destinies to uh, people who really their role is to get re-elected the next time. So with that rant out of the way, just so that, because what I'm trying to tell you here is Don't dismiss things. If someone's like a national voter and you're like, well, I hate national, I'm not going to listen to that. Or if you're a staunch national person yourself or whatever, like, oh, it's just so boring to me. But, you know, someone's got some opinions from a a, a Labour side or whatever. Like, oh, I don't listen to anyone that votes for Labour. It's like, pull your head in and be able to see things from different angles and just figure out what you can learn from different people. And that is what I believe diversity is all about, diversity of thought, thinking, and ideas. Anyway, let's hit play on this and see what pops up and see what we can learn. Okay, Mai, welcome back to q and I thought for a moment there that Jim Bolger was going to endorse this Chloe Sorber. This could be Sorber illegal, too, I don't know, but uh, hey, we'll find out, I guess. Hit him, Jack, Moving team. On. This is an unusual moment for the New Zealand economy. Despite dire predictions last year, our unemployment rate is at an equal all-time low. That's good. But inflation is really starting to bite, Uh hitting 4.9% last quarter. And in the face of the Delta outbreak, New Zealanders are feeling increasingly pessimistic about our economy in 2022. Now, just so you know, this interview was recorded on Friday. I began by asking the Finance Minister how concerned he is about New Zealand's rising inflation. Before we let him talk, 4.9% inflation, we know about that, we've learned about that through Keep the Change. We basically know that things are getting uh, more expensive, a basket of goods at 5% roughly per quarter at the moment, which is scary. It means it's eroding our purchasing power and the money that we have in our pockets is becoming less. They say the economy, uh, people are starting to worry about the economy for 2022. You're not going to get a uh, finance minister to agree with that. I'll give you the tip. I'm, I'm sure he'll let us know that. Uh, and unemployment is low, which we we like unemployment low in New Zealand because everyone's got a job if they want a job. So that's exciting. So let's hear what Grant has to say to this first bit. Oh, well, obviously rising prices affect people in their everyday cost of living. And no shit. It's something that in sorry, I shouldn't joke, but let him talk. Zealand and around the world we haven't experienced much in recent years, there have been very low levels of inflation, but this is a global issue uh, and I see the US... Well, okay, yes, it is a global issue uh, and the reason it's a global issue is because you're all doing the same thing. You're all printing a boatload of money to keep the economy going and there's more money available to chase the same amount of goods and we've got less goods and services being created because people are locked up so we're all facing forms of inflation. So just be careful that what the what I find 
these politicians are very good at doing is telling you, is looking at a problem and going, yes, but, 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 but. You want to compare it to something. You want to compare it to somebody else because then it doesn't make us feel as bad. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that doesn't really set you up for a very sound foundation to build your life on top of. I'd never hear New Zealanders accept the fact from an All Blacks coach when they say, yes, we did. In fact, we did lose to France and Ireland. But, 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 but we've got less losses than other countries and we haven't lost many games lately. So, you know, don't worry. It's not a problem. You shouldn't even be talking about this loss. And comparing ourselves to what other countries are doing is, I think, dangerous because we're our own being and we're a tiny little being compared to some of these other ones. So, you know, they're trying to say to us, oh, inflation's something that we're all facing. So just chill out. It's not that big of a problem. The month of October finished up at about 6% uh, for inflation there, and I think the average across the OECD somewhere around 4.8% to the end of October. So uh, supply constraints that are coming out of the back of COVID, uh, high oil prices, uh, these are the things that are affecting us. New Zealand economy is robust. It's It's robust. The economy is robust. Well, yes, of course it is. Your household spending would be robust too, if you look at it this way. Say... You have a family, one person loses their job, and that takes $60,000 of income out of that household. There's no money going into that household, okay? So now we think, right, our economy, our economy of our family has got $60,000 less per year. Well, say someone rolls along and says, hey, we're just going to lend you $60,000 for the next 12 months, and you get to spend it on whatever you want and carry on your life as normal. At the end of that, if we forgot that that was a loan, and just thought, hey, you know what? This year's actually been quite good. It's been all right. It's been as a family, as a household, we've been very robust. Things have just sort of carried on as per normal, and that's exactly what's happening for us at the moment too. We're pumping a lot of debt into the economy and into the system, tens of billions of dollars, and saying, oh, our economy's very robust. Well, of course it is because you're just plugging it with more money that has just been created and put into the system. But but hey, anyway, we all need to believe that this economy is very robust. It's resilient, uh, but we will, of course, be keeping an eye on inflation, as you'd expect us to do. Your consumers Keep an eye on inflation, yeah, okay. How are you going to do that? This is... I'm not even an expert in this space. This is a little passion project and hobby for me. October last year, I was saying, hey, team, inflation's coming. We need to be thinking about it. You know, you've got to be thinking about what things you could be doing for yourself to protect yourself. And now it's uh, 6% and on average 4.8 across the OECD countries. We probably don't even know what OECD stands for, who, whoever makes that up. Um, but, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to keep an eye on it. Well, shit. Maybe we wanted to be thinking about that uh, last year. But anyway, let's carry on plays a big role in this space. The ANZ Consumer Survey shows consumers in New Zealand expect inflation to run above 6% for the next two years. And of course, we know that inflation hits those on lowest income. That is very, very concerning slash yuck. 6% inflation expectations for the next two years. I said in a recent Keep the Change email, actually, I think I did, it might have been an ex-advisory piece of content I was doing, but 18 months to two years. That's what I'm preparing myself for. That's what I'm thinking about. And that's what I suggest 
we all think about. If we find new forms of COVID and this type of last 18 months that we've had carries on again, where we have more lockdowns and we've got to pump more money into the system, perhaps that goes on even longer. So it's not going to go away quickly, and it's something we all need to think about. Now, Jack, the host of Q&A, is about to say to Grant that um, inflation hits those harder with lower incomes, and you've learnt about that through Keep the Change as well. You know, if you've got a limited amount of money, but you need to still buy the same things and, you're only, and you can only just afford them, but those things are becoming more expensive and your wages aren't going up, you're getting hit harder because all of a sudden you're getting less in return for that money that you've got compared to the quarter before, the month before, the year before. So that's, uh, that's the concept around those people with lower incomes uh, end up being disadvantage more because they have less disposable income. So let's see what uh, the finance minister has to say here. Hardest. So what specific steps will your government take to try and control inflation? I guess the first thing I'd say is that some of the projections... Just a side note, I hope this doesn't ruin you listening to politics now because now that I tell you this, you'll notice it. But all of these wounding politicians, they all say, I guess what I would say is... Well, what I would say is, and it's not just a Labour thing, it's a, I saw Simon Bridges the other day saying, or the, one of the national guys saying, well, I guess what I would say is, like, they all just parrot each other with these types of sayings, and then they carry them over, but, um, yeah, hey, not that that adds any value to your life, so we'll carry on, sorry. ...are up around there, some are a little bit lower, and then coming down um, more quickly, and the Reserve Bank was talking about that this week. Uh, we do have our system in place where the Reserve Bank's job, they've got two of them, one of them is to look out around employment outcomes, but the other is around price stability, and so they made their decision this week, and they've given a, a track on which they think they'll be on to, to, to use the OCR to help manage price stability. From the government's point of view, we've already announced the increases to benefits, um, we've consistently lifted the minimum wage and we will be looking out for those on the lowest incomes as we have done. So we've raised benefits for people so that we can help them from inflation um, because they've got lower incomes and the minimum wage has been going up for people over the last few years and it hasn't been announced as far as I'm aware for the increase from 1st of April 2022 you would suggest if they're going to look after those people with lower incomes and they've been calling people on the minimum wage, people with lower income, based on how he's explaining that, those are not my words, um, that you'd, you'd assume that what they're saying there is they're going to lift the minimum wage again. So what that does as well is it actually has a, a flow-on effect of more inflation because if you think about it, if you say to tens of thousands of employers who pay their staff minimum wage, and let's just put aside your thoughts and feelings about the living wage and minimum wage and those things. Let's just look at this from data and how things work as an in a, in economy. You say, hey, look, you 10,000 employers, we need you to pay your 100,000 staff um, 6% more, for instance, in this following year. And they say, okay, I have to. That's the law. Let's rumble. They've been doing that for the last few years. And that then puts a higher cost to that business through their units of labour, through their staff that they're paying, and they then say, well, we want to protect our profit margin. You know what we should do? We should probably increase our prices. So then the prices of the things that they sell 
those goods or services often go up in price as well so that the business can protect their profit margin and ensure they're sustainable, still pay their landlords, still pay for their insurances, um, pay for all the other things that they uh, that they need to pay for during the year. And so they increase what they can sell their stuff for and then you and I go out to buy those things and voila, we have to pay more for them. And again, we have rising prices. So it's almost like a little bit counterproductive, um, but you know, it is what it is, and, you know, you will, you should, I assume, see a government forced to increase the minimum wage again whilst inflation is here. They've been doing this whilst inflation hasn't been too rampant. Now it is, and now it's something we're all thinking about. So it's going to be a very hard one for them to say, no, we're not going to lift it. So I would expect to see forms of increases in benefits and minimum wages and things like that. Um, and, and like I say, it is what it is, so let's not get bogged down in whether that's right or whether that's wrong or whatever. you just got to get on with it because ultimately you're not the one making these decisions, the government are. About our term. So it's a combination of both monetary and fiscal policy, but equally we are up against global trends, uh, but they are expected to wash through over the next year or so. What more can you do, though? Because 6%, if indeed we you know, that, that figure is realised, is extremely concerning, and we certainly haven't seen wage growth come anywhere near that sort of figure. Well, I think it's important when you talk about wage growth versus inflation. Over the last two or three years, it's been well ahead of inflation. Obviously, here looking into this period, that will be challenged. But I think it is important to see these things across a full uh, economic cycle. But we are... It's probably quite fair enough, really. What he's saying is that people have been getting paid more and getting pay rises whilst inflation hasn't really been here. And, you know, that's probably protected them from how drastic inflation really is. But, um, yeah, I mean, some people would believe that, some people wouldn't. But uh, I guess it's kind of fair, you know. Um, they have People have been getting pay rises historically. In some countries, it's, it's in a contract that you sign, an employment contract will usually say like your salary will be mapped back to the consumer price index or an inflation index so that each year your salary is protecting you from any rises of inflation to make sure we look after those who are on the lowest incomes and so we do have the benefit increases and we do have within our welfare system the ability for people to be able to get additional support as they need it and then obviously we do have the issue around things like the minimum wage mm-hmm. that we can look out for so we can intend to strongly continue to support those on low and middle incomes. Unemployment is low, there is work available for people to do, uh, we are investing more and more in skills and training and in making sure people are ready to take on work and so you know the economy is strong but of course we have to look after the most vulnerable in our society and that's what we're doing. But are there specific steps you can take to expand the economic base as well as just lifting the minimum wage and increasing benefits? Well, our whole investment in infrastructure is designed to make sure that there's a long-term pipeline of work, that we're building more houses, that we're, we're doing more in public transport, that we are investing in those skills and training opportunities. And mm. early next year, we'll release uh, our social insurance uh, discussion document around... All right, this is all getting a little bit boring for all of us now, isn't it? But one thing I noticed during the week, actually, I saw a CEO of a big construction company that supply a lot of timber and different things, and they were talking about paying bonuses to their staff... Uh, sounded like they're very unhappy with the government. And I put all that stuff aside because it's very interested in his last comment. And he said, we're, we're paying our staff a bonus whilst we can because we're expecting a construction collapse 
in the next two years. I thought, holy shit, that's a pretty grim thing for a CEO to go out there and put on the record. Um, but there's a lot of talk about how we're trying to do all this construction and build all these houses and they're not going to actually be needed and it's just going to be a big boom and then it's all going to slow down. But I was thinking about it in terms of if I had a child going out into the workforce, where would I want them to go and work? And I was doing some digging. Man, I'm a loser. Eh? Listen to what I do. Um and there's a lot of money still to go out, not into household construction, but into construction of major projects, um, infrastructure projects that Grant's just talking about there. And I think the tradies and stuff, people that are practical and that know how to do some hard grind, like they're going to they're gonna be well looked after. There's going to be jobs. And there's a competition for that talent at the moment. And um, to give you an example of how this becomes tricky for some people is that so I've got a client, for instance, who uh, uses labour for really hard work. And they're like, oh, we find it hard to find staff. And then I've got a client who uses labour for um, these projects that, you know, sometimes they're sitting around not doing much, no disrespect, but, you know, we've all made those jokes about uh, going past certain types of workers who are just sitting around supervising, six supervisors and one worker. Yeah, you've all seen those photos. But basically what they were both saying is that, if there's so much work out there for those people who can find almost a cruisier job, they might already be in one job, but they're swapping their job from one to another because the job might be a little bit easier. So it's going to be interesting to see what incentives some of those harder type roles of employment have to do to maintain their staff because people just go, you know what, I've got a choice of A, a job where I'm busting my ass and it's physical work all day and then I'm going to get paid the same in job B, where it's a lot better on my body, I don't, you know, I'm only really working 60% of the time, 40% of the time doing some of the paperwork and I'm not wrecking, wrecking myself and not, you know, turning up home with the family and I can barely do anything, I just want to go to bed. So, you know, you know which one of those jobs most people are going to pick, right? So then there's competition uh, between those two employers of, right, who's paying who what and how we're going to uh, maintain that employment. So, Things are start to get a little bit different for us when we have this so-called, say, like full employment where everybody who wants a job has a job. And it's just a, an interesting thing if you're into your economics and a bit of a geek like uh, yours truly to be keeping an eye on. But we'll leave it there for G. Robertson because I thought that'd probably only be 10 minutes, but we're at about 20. But what uh, what things do we take out of that? I guess, like, was there any, was there any real answers to those questions? Um, there's there's never anything practical, I think, in these conversations around what you and I can be doing to look after ourselves. They always come from a level of protecting perhaps their brand, their perception, uh, their image, those people who may be voting for them, for instance. So when you listen to these types of conversations... Step back, step out of your uh, thoughts and your identity around who you vote for and stuff and just be like, let me listen to this and figure out, is there anything practical that I can action in here? And I just about go as far as to say 90% of the time, there wouldn't be much. If I were Jack Tame, I'd be like, hey mate, what can the everyday New Zealander do to protect themselves from inflation? And then see if a politician can genuinely help you or not. And I don't want this to make this want to make this sound like a massive beat up on politicians, but you know, 
if you're consuming the news and these types of interviews and stuff, just try and figure out, am I actually learning anything here? Is there anything I can go away and learn from? And I think that's where there's becoming a big distrust as such from like the media and politicians and the way we talk about them and the respect that younger people have for them and then younger people going, I don't watch the news or mate, I get all of my learning from YouTube um, because people are hungry for practical, actionable things that they can go away and do and that's what we've got at our fingertips now and we can take this and go, great, wicked, I just listened to 20 minutes of G. Robertson plus Luke and didn't really learn anything about what I should be doing to protect myself from inflation. Well, you know the number one thing you need to be Googling after this is how do I protect myself from inflation? And you go away and you start studying that and learning that. 90% of the Kiwi population will not do that and they won't be thinking about this and they're going to get beat up over the next couple of years. And Grant's going to sit there in a year's time, in two years' time, and he's going to tell you, look, look, listen here. It's got nothing to do with us. It wasn't our fault. We've got a robust economy. You've all kept your jobs. And there's supply chain issues. They're going to wash over. And everybody's dealing with this over the world. So what are you complaining about? What's your big problem? There's not a problem here. This is just one of those things that happens. And you're going to sit there and be like, well, shit, I'm glad I took some action because you went away and researched what things you could be doing because no one's going to take ownership for this. They're not going to say, yeah, well, actually, hey, Jack, listen here, we printed X amount of dollars and put those into the system. Of course, the the positive of that is everybody kept their jobs and things like that. Um, yes, we've got a shit ton of debt. You know, I'll probably be dead by the time that we have to explain that to you to your uh, grandchildren's grandchildren, for instance, is probably what he's thinking in his head um, because I, I just can't see how we're going to be paying this back too quickly. But we just pumped a whole lot of debt into the system to keep the thing going and uh, money buys us more time to then be able to deal with the true problems. But some of these problems are, are coming out now in the terms of inflation and stuff. So we've all got to be on our toes. We've got to be agile. These people, they're not coming to save us. Um or maybe you could argue that they are because they've then just kept this thing going and they've blown this bubble up so that it can continue on into the future. Um, but at some stage, someone is going, is going to have to deal with it. But you're going to continue to hear, yes, we've got high levels of debt, but compared to America and our other peers around the world, it's not that bad. Um, but you know, I don't think that's a good way to, to live your life comparing yourself to others and then just going, oh, well, it's acceptable because we're about average or we're a bit below average or a bit above average. You know, what about those people that chase greatness and stuff? It doesn't work when you go and complete, compete for an Olympic medal. I don't get to rock up and be like, hey, um, how come I can't compete in the Olympics? Just line up at the 100, run my 17-second 100 and go, well, come on, hey, compared to others, I'm a bit faster. You assholes, give me a shot. I should be able to do this. Anyway, anyway, uh, that's me Sunday ruined. Cheers, Grant and Jack. Um, hopefully you learnt something in there. I guess the key point I want you to understand is that this inflation thing is here. We want to keep thinking about it and thinking about what we could be doing to protect ourselves from it, not just hearing that it's here and hearing what these politicians are going to blame it on It'll come down to um, oil, you know, he even mentioned that, oh, you know, oil's dearer. Well, oil actually, since he spoke about that, dropped 10% overnight. So this shit can change very, very quickly. Um, and and supply chain issues and, and other countries and stuff and 
Uh, then it, it'll become climate change will be the other thing. In America, they're already blaming it on climate change. They're saying, well, the move to a more sustainable uh, economy, no, a more sustainable world will require higher prices of different things. So, you know, even our Reserve Bank governor in New Zealand has said that these types of things could be here for two decades, not just two years. We, we transition to a more environmentally friendly type environment, which, you know, I think we've only been trying to do for 100 years, but that's probably another separate subject, that you should expect to pay higher prices for things. So that'll be what's, what inflation gets blamed on into the future as well. At the moment, it's supply chain, um, oil prices. No mention in there of how much money they've printed or put into supply. <laughs> Don't even touch on it. Not even, not even a thought process. Um, so again, interviewer, I would suggest, why not ask something about that? But I really like the questions that Jack asks of these people because he does make things very easy to understand. I know some people don't like him, some people will. Again, I just don't care. I'm like, what are the questions? What are the answers? Strip out the people. I don't care um, who these people are or what their backgrounds are and stuff. Can I learn anything? And and that's how I try to approach things. So before I continue on this epic rant, um, I better wrap this up because I do need to start recording this week's episode of Money Mail as well. So we'll get straight into that. So there we go. Uh, something a little bit interesting and different. I'd like to know if you enjoyed that, if you learnt from it, and I could do perhaps some more of those types of things in the future. But I was just doing some study of that to get my morning started Again, what am I doing with my life? Um, but thought well, I might put uh, hit play on that, rewind it and hit play and see if I could add some context for some of you who wouldn't be as stupid to be watching Q&A on a Sunday morning because you're just, you know, you're not that way inclined and I don't blame you and no one should. So I'll see you on the next lesson which I'm about to hit record on. So keep learning, keep up the good work and protect yourselves and your families. Maybe you're the one in the family that's learning about this stuff and other people in your family aren't interested, well, eventually, you know, they'll want to learn about it from someone, and you'll have a bit of a handle on this stuff. So good on you. See you very soon.